Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the second episode of the Machis Men podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the international wrap-up, the Granada recap. Uh, we're going to have Nick Verlani on from the London is Blue podcast to talk about our upcoming Champions League game with Chelsea. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our upcoming uh, Sevilla match with uh, Ibar. So, uh, let's get into it. We got Eddie back with us this week. How you doing, Eddie? I'm doing all right. Um, better. I wasn't great yesterday waking up early for a match like that after all that happened. But uh, I'm better today and uh, ready to talk about this. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we'll talk about the international wrap up. You know, wrap for a little bit. Uh, not too long because let's be honest, nobody likes the international break. Acapos nope. uh, went 60 minutes for Argentina. He got subbed by Correa, our old boy, who comes in and he scores a goal and uh, Argentina beat Bolivia. Uh, Luke de Jong played all 90 minutes for the Netherlands. Novice played a full 90 for Spain's loss to the Ukraine, which was kind of surprising, I believe. Uh, Goodell only played 15 minutes in the 2-2 draw with Turkey. And Ezri played uh, the whole second half against uh, DR Congo. Uh, and then Jules Koundé played a full 90 and scored against the France uh, or with the France U21s. We didn't want to talk about it a lot, but we wanted to bring it up because that last mention with Jules Koundé really uh, – Put Sevilla in a little bit of a pickle. Uh, Kunde come come back to the team with COVID, so now he's going to be quarantined for a minimum of fourteen days, uh, and will miss. Well, he missed our Granada match. He's going to miss the Chelsea's match, and more than likely the Ibar match, and maybe more. We'll see. So, I don't know, Eddie. Did you watch any of the games? I didn't get to see any of them. You know, the international games? No, not at all. Um, I, I wanted to because I usually check out the South American ones. Um, that's the most competitive and, and most entertaining. Um, it's kind of like a mini tournament with like a, a 10-team uh, round robin, right? But um, I didn't I didn't see any of the games. I just watched highlights. Um, but uh, what, what do you think about this? Is like some of these teams have three matches. I know these players didn't play in all of them, but... They had three matches this time, and they usually do two for international break. And the th- packing in three matches, that, that was crazy to me. Yeah, I think with, with COVID, they're trying to get as many in as they can, and it's putting a lot of strain on, on players. And I think we saw that in our Granada match yesterday with, with some tired legs, um, some unfocused attention, I think, Um Particularly with the compost, the compost just didn't seem like he was there. Um, I, I don't know. Um, that kind of leads us into the Granada match. I mean, it, you know, the Sevilla played. They they lost uh, uh, by one goal, uh, late uh, header uh, to win it for Granada. Um, a lot of a lot of weird things in the match. Um, you know, what did you what did you find uh, find with the match, Eddie? I mean, if I could just get out get it out the way, um, uh, the referee had a big part to play in this match. It was all right uh, throughout the beginning. Um, little little tackles here, you know. Um, but didn't kind of look like Seth McFarland to you, uh, that referee? 
um, <laughs> but um, the, uh, the the double yellow card to, to Jordan really marked the game. Um, I mean, um, not to get on that too, too quickly, but we kind of had a better part of possession during our first half, but we didn't really seem to develop chances, which has been our our problem, really. I think the, uh, the Rakitic, Jordan tandem in midfield, um, has its flaws in terms of creativity. They kind of both um, play the same role, if you will. Um, I, I'm, I'm guess that's why. Uh, I guess it's Lopetegui trying to settle settle down with the starting eleven, and then he'll incorporate more players to fix what needs to needs to be adjusted. But um, it wasn't working, and I don't think we had a single shot on goal that first half. Probably just one from Munir. Yeah, I think that's uh, what we got. So the the lineup uh, was a little unique. Uh, we had Carlos Fernandez getting his first start with Sevilla. Uh, Munir was out on the left wing. Suso was on the right. Uh, like you mentioned, we had Rakitic and Jordan um, along with Fernando in the midfield. Escudero got the start at left back. Uh, Diego Carlos and Sergi Gomez, uh, center backs, uh, Navas, Right back and Bono was in 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 goal. Uh, you know, Granada came out quickly, put Sevilla under the test. Um, you know, to the test in the seventh minute. Uh, it was kind of a mad scramble there in front of goal, and uh, I think Bono got a kind of a remarkable save there, and then they finally got it cleared. But it was kind of ping ponging in the box there on the seventh minute. Fernando gets an early yellow in the tenth minute. Um, yeah, I think the biggest uh, opportunity in the first half was that novice cross to Jordan or Jadon, sorry, um, who headed it wide. I mean, it he was open. Uh, novice found him, and he just he just missed it. Um, yeah, at least put that on on target. Yeah, had to be on target. But Jordan. Um, I don't know. Maybe the the referee was out to get him because um, he can be kind of a annoying player, I guess, uh, for other teams. <laughs> maybe he's probably always in the referee's ear and all that. But the second yellow like that is like, come on, man. But for me, that's just that's just a symptom of La Liga. Um, these kinds of uh, incidents because we know it's not a physical league. You could it's the kind of league where you get yellow cards for going up for a header. So. Him seeing red there is like, hey, this is all we got, right? Um, so down to 10 men in the second half. Um, I mean, we, I still thought we could have uh, gotten out of there with uh, with a point, uh, looking at our, our defensive record from uh, the previous season. But we do have Sergio Gomez back there. Um, not to put it all on him, but I think it was initially it was his man that he lost on the goal. And Diego Carlos had to compensate for that and didn't win the header, and that was the winning goal. Um, going forward, uh, we tried with our counterattacks. I guess what I, what I seen that was positive from that was Ocampos actually passing the ball this time and trying to look for look for players because usually he would try to dribble and look for a shot himself. Um, so him having to use his players and because we're limited in counter. Um, that, that was the one positive for me, but we didn't make a count. And Omonia did get a good chance there that might have been offside. But um, once again, our, our counterattacks have to improve and our finishing overall. Yeah, so 
Uh, Lopetegui tried to change the match a little bit. Uh, well, he had to make a change because of uh, the Jordan send-off. Um, uh, so he brought in Ocampos and De Jong at halftime, uh, took off Suso and Carlos Fernandez. Uh, like Eddie was saying, the best chance was um, Fernando uh, had a really long run, uh, a great run, and you know he passed it off to Acampos, who who did pass it off to Manier, who hit the post, and uh, uh, they caught it off sides. But you know, I I thought he was onside. I thought it would go to VAR, and who knows? It was it, tight. You know, it was tight. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, that. So, so Granada gets a winner in the 82nd minute. Uh, Falkier from those guys, uh, he was coming down to the right hand side and, and just found some space. I mean, he was nobody closed on him, so he had all day to find a cross. Um, picked out his man. Sergi was kind of lost in, in defense there, and and uh, Diego Carlos tried to get over to to help, but he arrived late and couldn't challenge for the header and put it in the back of the net, and that was pretty much the game. Um, that's about the only – we didn't have but two highlights that I can think of from the Sevilla side on offense. So, again, the ref changed the game. Um, he had to make it about himself. I, the second yellow, I was scratching my head. I – but first, I didn't. I didn't know Jordan had the first yellow because I thought uh, Acuna got it uh, on his challenge. But then they replayed it, and I saw the tackle by Jordan, and uh, he got yeah, the, the yellow. To be fair, I didn't see it either. I think because I was kind of groggy in the morning, so when I seen the second yellow, I thought he had the wrong player, and they're going to look at the bar for like a mistaken identity kind of thing. But he did get a second yellow. I checked the flash score. I was like, whoa, he got a yellow card before this? I think I missed uh, that that whole play. Um, but, uh, man, these, these early morning games, I think that's why I don't like waking up for them because <laughs> usually stuff like this happens. So, Eddie, with uh, Carlos Fernandez getting his first start, how did you think he looked? Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the greatest um, debut, if you call it that, a uh, second debut. Um I guess they had uh, issues trying to interlink with them. Um, I guess that's why I, I worried about the uh, the creativity. We didn't look for him enough, and you could really only rely on on Suso to to um, uh, to to get that or to generate something because it wasn't coming from Jordan or, or Akatish. There was a few balls played into him, but um, uh, it was very. We were very limited in trying to to get anything out of him. Um, even to get Navas to get the crosses in, it, it didn't really it didn't really materialize. Even when Acuna coming on, which I like him better going forward, we still didn't. We still weren't able to find him either. Uh, Munir tried, but I, I still prefer Munir to to come off the bench as a super sub. But Carlos Fernandez, I think, is going to take some time, and which kind of sucks because one is he got to get that chance again. Yeah, that's true, and and I'm a bit worried about um, how he fits into the into the Lopetegui system. And you know, with, when he was at Granada, he seemed to perform best when he was paired with another striker and uh, could kind of play off of that uh, other forward a little better. Um, I just don't see that with this team. I don't. I don't know how him being a lone striker. I don't see it working out very well because. 
you know, the hold-up play is is key um, in this system, um, especially when you don't have an attacking midfielder like Torres or, or Oscar Rodriguez in there to help link up. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit concerned for for Fernandez getting any additional playing time. Um, maybe coming off the bench late in games to to pair with a second striker where, where we're behind and need a goal, maybe. Uh, but as far as starting, I, I just don't see how he how he fits in. Uh, yeah, I think it's some chemistry issues um, and trying to find you know partnerships on the on the pitch to have someone someone he could you know uh, have an understanding with. Um, and that hasn't developed it. It's still still a fairly new team, right? So it's not. It's still going to take time to develop these things. Um, I still think a lot of it will depend on Suso. I, I'm expecting a big season from him, whether it comes or not. It's left to uh, to see. But um, his uh, his tendency to try to to cut inside and be more creative in a central role, I think, will be will be crucial for us, you know, eventually developing that attack. Yeah, I think that's going to work well with, with Novice, and, and hopefully he can cut inside and, and pick up that uh, pass where, um, especially when we're drawn back uh, in defense, and we need somebody there that can, you know, find the ball and link up uh, with whoever's playing striker. Uh, so, do you think uh, Lopetegui, uh you know, missed this from the get go, or was it just a case of tired legs? You know, what do you what do you think? Um, I think he. I don't think it was a bad team to start it off, but it's our, it's the same the same issues. I think we played the same way like we did against Cadiz and and Levante because it's for the most part the same team, uh, apart from not having Kunde back there. So. I guess he really wants to establish this uh, Fernando Jardin and Rakitic midfield. So I think seeing this result will probably force his hand a little bit. Um, I'm not sure what we'll see in midweek, but uh, going forward, he, he might he might change a few things to, you know, see something different. I think we'll see Jordan get to start definitely since he can't play in the Ibar match. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he should be playing. Yeah. So, I mean, that brings us up to kind of, um, you know, why haven't we seen Oliver Torres or Oscar Rodriguez in the in the mix the last few matches? Uh, the Oliver Torres one is is uh, curious to me because even in the um, the, the Europa League. Uh, run he didn't feature at all. I don't think he had a single minute during that Europa League uh, knockout round. Um, and I thought he would be the one to take over the Banega role, um, not to replace Banega, but be the uh, the number ten in that midfield. And he's not. He hasn't really featured. Maybe it's going to take some time with him as well. Maybe he doesn't have um, the confidence in him as of yet. And still with Oscar Rodriguez as well. I think he wants to take time to kind of bet him in. Um, that's a special talent. I really have uh, high hopes on Oscar because he's, he's a very talented player. Um, so it's going to take some time. And there's a lot of games this month, so I'm pretty sure every single one of these players are going to feature at some point. Yeah, I saw a couple of Twitter posts um, about that last sub by Lopetegui yesterday, bringing on uh, Mudo instead of Oscar. Uh, I think people thought that 
if Lopetegui would have brought on Oscar and we could have won a free kick uh, late, that, that would have been a, a you know a possibility with his uh, uh, talent on the ball during a free kick. So I, I think a lot of people are scratching their head a little bit on that last sub with Mudo, but that seems to be um, about the only time that. Uh, Lopetegui seems to want to play Mudo is in the late match, you know, late minutes of a match. Uh, uh, for whatever reason, I, I'm not sure. He didn't really show much from what I saw yesterday either. Yeah, he tends to do this a lot with with Mudo. Bring him on at the, the last few minutes to you know maybe show some magic. But yeah, in a game like that, when you're down to ten men, you need to utilize all your opportunities and definitely from set pieces, right? Because that's when you start to get desperate. You whip in uh, crosses from wherever the corners are, are, are huge in those moments. And yeah, free kick from Oscar, you never know, right? Um, but yeah, I guess it's going to take time. But yeah, I would have put in Oscar instead. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And, and maybe he's just confidence isn't there from Lopetegui yet. So... Um, well, you know, the good thing about the Granada match is, uh, our two rival, well, two of the three rivals there for the top four, uh, lost, uh, Real Madrid, uh, got upset and so did Barcelona. Um, the only winners of the top four were Atletico Madrid. So what seemed like a terrible match result at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning turned out to be not too bad, uh, after the day was out. Yeah, not not too bad in, in hindsight. Um, it's still it's still early doors. I mean, you can't even look at uh, the league table right now because it's only three, four, five matches played amongst the teams there. So, um, yeah, it's a good thing they lost because it, it feels a little bit better now. But um, and that's not taking away from early doors. not taking away from Granada. I mean, Granada. Finished what six last year, I believe, in the league, and and played really well. They yeah. added some key pieces, and and I mean, they look good. They looked really good yesterday. So, um, hats off to yeah, the. That's what I didn't like about it because the the referee, like, it made me like start hating Granada, like which I don't. Like Diego Martinez, like that's our guy. So I'm I'm happy for him and and the team he, he's uh he's coaching. So a good result for Granada. The um, the the only other Andalusian team that I care about. Um, <laughs> hey, Cadiz, yeah, Cadiz pulled off the, the miracle yesterday. So, uh, hats off to those guys. The celebration, the celebration after that match was uh, pretty spectacular. The uh, the whole team was going crazy after they beat Real Madrid. All right, moving on, we're going to have Nick Verlaney from the London Blue Podcast joining us now to talk about the Chelsea Champions League match coming up on Wednesday. Uh, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Verlaney. That's N-I-C-K-V-E-R-L-A-N-E-Y. You can also follow the London Blue Podcast at London Blue Pod. Hi, Nick. Thanks for joining us uh, so we can talk about the Champions League coming up. Uh, do you want to give us a little uh, bit about yourself and, and your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hey, guys, I'm Nick Verlaney. I'm one of the three hosts of the London is Blue podcast, uh, not to be confused with any other color. Um, we've been around for six plus years, almost at 500 episodes. So 
uh, any interest in Chelsea whatsoever, come on over and check us out. But um, really excited to be here. Uh, we're we're, uh, we're entering into the fun part of the, the season with the Champions League group stage. And uh, we have a really interesting, interesting group in front of us for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting your thoughts on that. So you guys had a pretty interesting offseason. Um, what are your thoughts and um, what do you think about the season so far? Uh, uh, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, because the like the recruitment this summer was was top tier. There's no doubt about that, right? I mean, you bring in Kai Havertz, you bring in Timo Werner, you bring in Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva, Edouard Mendy, like a bunch of a bunch of proven professionals with a you know decent amount of upside, um, to say the least. It's it's an exciting time. I mean, I think the underrated part of of the window though is trying to figure out how how all these new puzzle pieces fit together in a way that makes sense. Um, which, if you watched any highlights from Chelsea Southampton yesterday, they aren't quite there. Um, they're, they're, it's been a really up and down, inconsistent start to the season which um, in Chelsea land means that you, you start to hear grumbles and rumors and, you know, manager in, manager out stuff. And, it, you know, it's a whole different kind of world over, over this way. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's, there's a lot of positive to look forward to. I mean, Timo Werner getting off the, off the mark yesterday for a couple of goals is a very good thing for us. Kai Havertz has looked pretty good so far. We're getting some players back from injury, which is going to be key for us because, you know, until yesterday, Christian Pulisic hadn't uh, featured in a Premier League match. And um, I think there's there's some opportunities to to get him back involved like he was post-restart. So um, lots to come uh, for, from this team. I, you know, I think if you were watching us as a Sevilla fan and you saw the way our defense is playing right now, you'd probably be looking at your chops. You haven't seen our offense. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of leads into my, you know, next question, the the weak spots that Sevilla may look to exploit. Uh, Sounds like defense and um, we've had our offensive challenges. So I, it might be a a three, three draw like you guys said yesterday. So it's it's more of the stoppable force versus the movable objects kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, there is no secret. Chelsea struggled all last year defensively and in transition specifically. So, um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to you educating me on on style of pay, play and pat, uh, passing patterns, all that kind of stuff. But uh, Chelsea are vulnerable on the break. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out how you know, what a set defensive line looks like. We have, we've played something like 36 different combinations of back line in the last year, something crazy like that. So, you know, a lot of times a team will play a set back four, a set back five, whatever it is, and then the rest of the team kind of switches in and out unless there's an injury. Chelsea have been all over the place. Um, uh, you, you have Thiago Silva, like, it should be a really good, Champions League player. He's obviously just reached the final last year, but he just got back from Brazil duty and Brazil duty in the middle of COVID means that you have to sit out an extended period of time. Right. So like there's, this is going to be a wild group uh, with some of these international breaks in the middle of all this, because there's going to be some like forced quarantine period and, and Chelsea's going to have to overcome 
a lot of fragility right there. So if, if I were you guys, I'd be looking to attack um, probably down your left, our right. And then if you're able to get any sort of counterattack uh, opportunity when we are pressed high and looking to score, that's probably your, your best chance. Interesting. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about your uh, keeper situation? What's what's going on there? Uh... Well, <laughs> um, look, <laughs> I I don't I don't really know. I, I I don't think Mendy is going to be fit for the Sevilla match. So my guess is you're going to see Willie Caballero um, after. Another unfortunate performance by Kepa yesterday. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm kind of straight up with my analysis here. I don't think the second goal that he conceded was all him. I think he did make an error that led to a goal. But I mean, the back pass from Zuma was was awful uh, yesterday for the second goal. But he just isn't confident, man. He, he's just not confident. He's not playing well. And I think if you're Lampard, you kind of have to look at the situation and think, okay, if Mendy is not available. Kepa's not confident. You have to go to Caballero, who's you know 39, but still a proven goalkeeper and has done a, an okay job for Chelsea. So, uh, you know, my guess is that you guys are going to see Caballero um, this week, and we'll just kind of have to see how that goes because Mendy's looked pretty good in a couple of appearances that he's been healthy for. Um, he obviously got hurt on international duty, which. I have a whole other rant about why we're doing international duty for pointless fixtures in the middle of a pandemic, but look, that's just me looking at science or whatever. So, um, yeah, my guess is Caballero and you guys are, you guys are not going to get our, our best goalkeeper. So that's probably accurate. We, we definitely, uh, feel the same about the international break. We, we actually lost one of our, uh, starting center backs, uh, who's been uh, playing out of his mind and was linked to Manchester City uh, this summer uh, at Kunde. So our our defense is a little bit of a question mark at the moment and didn't perform very well yesterday for a few moments in time. So, uh, yeah, I think we're both going to get a weaker team from each other. <laughs> Could be a weird one, huh? Good, yeah. So let's talk about the draw. What did, what did you think? Um, happy, sad, excited? Uh, I, I mean, I think every team in this draw kind of got lucky, if I'm honest. You know, it's Krasnodar, Ren, Sevilla, Chelsea is, if, if you looked on paper, probably the easiest pathway out of a group of, of the, the groups that are listed. Um, you're not getting a peak Chelsea right now. It sounds like you guys are also maybe not a peak of your powers from the end of last year. It you know, may be fair to say. And, you know, Ren, we just took Ren's top goalkeeper away from them. Right? So this is a, this is a, a, a bit of a weird one. And, uh, you know, I know nothing about Krasnodar. I'm not, I don't watch Krasnodar on a, on a weekly, monthly basis here. But um, my guess is that they're probably going to struggle in this group. So it would seem to me that, it's a pretty clear pathway for Chelsea and Sevilla to advance out of this group. Um, you know, just the way that some of the math works when you, when you think about the round Robin Chelsea and Sevilla draw or, you know, win home and away. Well, all they really have to do is beat Ren 
one time and be be crash the dark twice and you and you pretty much advance right i mean the, the math is just hard any other way so i don't i don't know how much is on the line for this one in terms of like hey this is like a super must win because i think there are three or no there are four other very winnable matches that are going to come out of this group but yeah the math in the in the group stage is is as such where the the top two teams really just need to draw or get you know, kind of a home and away win to you know start to feel like they're going to separate. Yeah, it's an interesting thought about the math. You know, I'm sure that both teams are going to come up, you know, prepared for this game just because uh, you know, two top teams. You want to solidify your your status early in the group and mm-hmm. um, your kind of your dominance and, and and set an example for everybody else in the group. Um, Cool. So, Eddie, do you have any questions uh, while we're hit me, Eddie? Uh, hey, hey, what's up, Nick? Um, and thanks for coming on uh, once again. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to to highlight the the defense again because honestly, I think you guys have all the pieces to the puzzle. It's just um, which pieces are the right ones that are going to fit. Do you, Do you have trust in, in Lampard that he's got to figure that out? Uh, to go on in the season and, you know, to challenge for the trophies you guys are, are playing for? It's his biggest obstacle. Um, you know, we just got done recording about an hour and a half of <laughs> React from <laughs> from yesterday. And I think mm-hmm. a theme that came out of our show today was that there's a bit of mm-hmm. imposter syndrome happening with this team right now. There's a lot of talent, an unmistakable amount of talent, but, you know, the consistent effort, the consistent, you know, you know, consistent being uh, mentally switched on, I should say, like doing the little things is, is where this team has kind of fallen short. I mean, like you, you look at this, you know, second goal that we gave up yesterday against Southampton is a mental error by Zuma, you know, really terrible back pass. And then, three other mental errors from the goalkeeper and, and Zuma again, right. That, that leads to a goal, right. That's been the consistent theme for Chelsea over the last two seasons. Um, and Lampard has to fix it. You know, I don't know if he is as concerned about the defensive side, if we can score five goals a game with, with the offensive output, but it's something that, uh, he needs to sort and sort quickly. There needs to be a standard back line. There needs to be better communication. There needs to be um, – th- there can't be a gap. You know, you'll see this if you if you watch any tape on Chelsea right now. Even if N'Golo Conte sits deep, when we transition up in attack, we basically end up playing a three-back with both of our um, – with both of our, our fullbacks advancing so high up the field or one fullback advancing and the other dropping and then goal Conte advancing. And what you'll find is you, you see a huge gap between our midfield and our defense. And if you're able to make a couple of quick passes in transition, it really opens us up. I mean, it, it's, it's like kind of gutting a fish if I'm honest, like there, there needs to be a more solid structure to the way the team's set up. I think some of that has to do with formation. I think some of that has to do with just the team moving collectively. You know, they, they don't right now. So 
Uh, the long and short of that is I have no earthly idea <laughs> if, if that's going to be the thing that he solves this year. I hope it is because I think if Chelsea can be more solid, give up one goal a game, you know, maybe get the occasional clean sheet instead of giving up three goals to West Brom, three goals to Southampton, you know, stuff like that, then this team is a real threat. I mean, there's unmistakable firepower up front. Yeah, I mean, Timo Werner is going to get his 20 this year, no problem, right? Kai Havertz going to chip in a ton of assists and, and probably a handful of goals as well. Pulisic, if he's back on his game, is going to be an absolute nightmare for teams. Um, but it's not enough just to have a kind of a really good attack and everything else kind of fall by the wayside. Our midfield is kind of in shambles right now. So we, we need to find balance, and Lord willing, it'll happen. But that's his biggest challenge that he'll face as the manager this year. Um, and just one more thing. Um, mm-hmm. Who do you think is currently the best player on the team? Um, God, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to answer this two ways. I think in terms of just pure talent, um, Kai Havertz is going to be really, really special. Like, you start to see some of the passes that he's able to put in just generic everyday passes where he's able to bend a ball around and hit Ben Chilwell on the left-hand side and put him in a, in a position to make space for himself. That's so underrated. We haven't had a player who was able to do that since Fabregas really. Um, But I would say just in terms of overall quality and the way that, he can change a game if he's really on it for Chelsea. I still think Yolo Conte is an incredible player. I I know that he may not have had the best season last year by his standards. He was certainly injured, but it, you know, you think about the way that our team is formatted right now. And if N'Golo Conte plays to his level, it's really, really tough as a midfielder to compete with that. And if you, I, I think largely, you know, my theory of the case is that if you win the midfield, you, oftentimes have a really good shot at winning the game. So I, I love Pulisic. I want to see it more consistently from him. I think that he can definitely be that this year if he if he turns it on, no doubt about it. He was an absolute terror at, after the restart. Um, I want to see him do it consistently and, and stay healthy too. Uh, he's had a couple of knocks. So, uh, yeah, I still would rate N'Golo Conte. He's one of my favorite players I've ever seen play at Chelsea. I love him to pieces, and um, I hope that he kind of regains that that top tier form. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. So, last thing I got for you: uh, what are your predictions for Chelsea in the in the Premier League, in the Champions League, and how do you think the group will finish up? Uh, less sure every day, really. (laughs) Um, I I think when we did our preseason predictions uh, on our show, and you know, this was, I think early September. So you'll, you'll, you'll note that I'm going to stick with this, even though we've seen some uh, very inconsistent (laughs) results, but I have to stick with it until something dramatic changes. Um, I think I predict us to finish third in the Premier League. 
Um, I feel worse about that today than I did back then, but I'll still stay with third. And then in the Champions League, we had no earthly idea how to predict the Champions League. <laughs> I mean, we we all, you know, everyone on our show thinks that we get out of the group for sure um, and that we advance the round of 16. But what we found last year, you know, Chelsea's obviously a young team, missing Hazard, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of young players coming through. When we faced Bayern in the round of 16, I mean, it was a bloodbath. I mean, that, and to be fair, we're not the only ones who got beaten soundly by Bayern. They were, that might be the best club team performance I've seen. You know who didn't get beat by Bayern very bad? Sevilla. (laughs) Hey, so there you go. We had a pretty good match there in the uh, Super Cup. Yeah, like they are, Bayern are, are to me just like the epitome of world class across the board. They, they they're a well run organization. They have some incredible talent. They picked up some. They picked up Serge Gnabry for a song and a dance. And you're like, what? How is this possible? Man? <laughs> like we we overpaid for Danny Drinkwater, and you guys got Serge Gnabry for for nickels and dimes. You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but I think when we face them, the gap was so big that. It's, you know, for this team to do better this year, well, I think we have to win the group, first of all, to get a better, more favorable matchup in the in the round of 16. But I I don't know if we're there yet. You know, even with all the, the talent added, I still think there's a couple of key pieces missing. And I mean, Champions League's no joke, man. It, these are the best clubs in the world. <laughs> like, I, you know, I know that Chelsea have won it before and that we've been consistently in it uh, about 10 years ago. We were in the semifinals almost every year, it seemed like, and had some incredible performances that uh, I, will, I will not speak of that should have advanced us further than we got. But uh, this team has not been in a, in a semifinal since 2014. That's the hard truth of it. Uh, we're not built for it right now. And the thing that I think you, you look at for Premier League teams specifically is that the Premier League is so competitive every single year that your primary objective is just to get top four seed, get in the Champions League next year. So because the the only other way you do it is if you win the whole damn Champions League, and, and we all know how hard that is to do. Uh, so that's kind of my point on this is I, I don't think we're there. I, I, I think we could get to uh, quarterfinals maybe if, if everything goes right, but I'm, I'm way less bullish on that than I am just, you know, how consistently Chelsea can perform in the league uh, because the Champions League is just a whole different deal. And like, here's the other thing that I, I'm, th- I'm sure you fellas are thinking about as well. Who knows what's going to happen with COVID, Right. Who knows if the if everything's going to get delayed, or if there's or there's you know travel restrictions in Europe, or if there's whatever, right? Because I know cases are going up everywhere, just like they predicted it would, right? Mm-hmm. They being scientists and not me. Um, I I think I think this could be an unfinished Champions League. There's a possibility of that. I think they're going to do everything they can to play it, but you, you talk about the meat of the competition happening during a pandemic and on top of that flu season for a lot of nations, like it's going to be a hard ass this year. They're going to have to be really creative with how they pull this thing off. And if, if the euros and like the European qualifiers of the uh, nation's league or league of nations, whatever it is, 
or any sort of preview, you're going to get a lot of positive tests from different teams traveling to, you know, traveling across Europe to, to meet each other in Champions League. And uh, one wonders, and just throwing this out to your audience, if there's going to be some sort of bubbleized format again for this thing. If they're going to try and just do it all at once or they're going to try and play it in a different format because it, it doesn't take a genius to predict that it's going to be hard. <laughs> so I'll, le- I'll leave you with that little nugget to think about. All right, so that was Nick with uh, London is Blue podcast talking about the Chelsea match, uh, the champ, you know, the Champions League match with Chelsea coming up here uh, Wednesday. Um, what are your thoughts there, Eddie, on the on the match? Uh, how do you think Sevilla is going to do? I'm definitely less confident than I was a week ago because of the uh, Kunde diagnosis. Um, like I said, the Holy Trinity. If we have that at the back, we could um, we could get any result out there. Uh, and I feel a bit less so. Um, Lopetegui, I feel, is still going to be conservative. So I'm thinking a draw. But, I mean, go for the three points, right? Because we see how they concede goals. But do we have the goals in our team, right? That's the big question. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be an interesting match. I think both teams are going to be very conservative going into the match. And, uh, you know, Nick kind of uh, hit on it with the math. And, and, you know, this first match maybe doesn't mean a lot. So I think we're trying to get some players some rest um, and maybe start to develop that chemistry that we talked about earlier with some of the players. So uh, I I tend to agree. I think it's going to be a very conservative match. Um, I think uh, it'll be there for the taking late, late on. And um, who knows? Uh, Maybe Sevilla can can steal the three, uh, but I expect a draw as well. All right, so uh, after the Champions League match, we got the home match against uh, Ibar uh, coming up Saturday, October 24th at 12.30 Eastern time. Uh, So we don't have to wake up as early. Uh, That'll be 6.30 p.m. uh, Sevilla local time. Thank God. Um, (laughs) Yep, we'll get some sleep this weekend. So um, with that, I just want to give a shout-out to to Nick from uh, London is Blue for joining us. What a great segment that was. Uh, Eddie, my co-host here, thanks a lot. And um, everybody have a good week. And uh, it's Champions League week, so woohoo! Champions League. Heineken. There you go. Vamos mi Sevilla. Vamos campeón.